from Relay FM. This is Upgrade, episode 162. Today's show is brought to you by Encapsula, Flight Logger, and FreshBooks. My name is Mike Hurley. I'm joined by Jason Snell. Hi, Jason Snell. Hi, Mike Hurley. How are you? I'm very well. How are you? Um, well, I am completely out of sorts because my iMac is not in front of me right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I do think people want to hear about that. Nobody cares about that right now. Later right now. we can care about it. But right now, <laughs> nobody cares about what computer you're using because it is time for everybody's favorite segment of the show, hashtag Talk. And today's hashtag Talk question has been sent in by Reed. And Reed wants to know, Jason, how did you celebrate your birthday? Happy birthday, Jason. Oh, thank you. Uh, you know, it is a, it was a, a, just a work day. So I didn't work as much as I would normally. I uh, watched some baseball because my birthday tends to coincide with uh, baseball playoffs. And uh, there are always interesting baseball games on television. So I watched some of those and uh, had lunch with my wife uh, because she had uh, kind of a weird schedule on that day too. And then we all went out to dinner. Uh, with her parents actually were in town. So we all went out to dinner to a nice restaurant and uh, she bought a cake that was very nice. And it's the kind of cake that uh, that I like from the place that I found a cake that I like because I don't like a lot of cakes. Did the white stuff sing happy birthday to you? No. In fact, there was a very dicey moment when the guy came with the bill and my um, my mother-in-law mentioned that it was my birthday and the guy looked at me like oh, it's your birthday do you you sh- do you want a dessert and i said well first off we already told you we don't want a dessert because we have a dessert at home we have the cake and second i don't let's just i, I shut really him down to put a candle in that because it's up for you Jason. it was not that kind of, of restaurant but like mm. seriously no i um no don't don't and that that is a pro tip by the way when there are are uh servers around when your waiter is around at a restaurant don't mention that it's somebody's birthday because they they will listen and then well, it gets weird. Unless that's what you want to happen. Unless that's what you want. Mm-hmm. But uh, I said pro tip, not amateur tip <laughs> of somebody who's excited to make uh, the wait staff at a restaurant sing non-proprietary birthday songs to them. But if you're a pro, you just let it go. So yeah. we're going to be together next week, which we'll talk about in a moment. And I'll do my yes. level best not to mention to any wait staff that it's your birthday during that period of time. Well, it's, it'll be too late. But they won't know that, You will have missed your chance. (sighs) They won't know if I say it. They will. (laughs) There are probably people who go get the birthday thing every time they go out to dinner because nobody is checking their ID. Yeah, free cake. So we are going to be together next week. So if you want to send in, you can bear that in mind if you're Snell Talk questions. Uh, Hashtag Snell Talk if you want to ask a question to start the show and you have a rare opportunity to ask something that I don't know what what we would do or what difference there would be because we're going to be looking into each other's eyes when we record the show. But it could uh, open up some opportunities from some new and exciting Snell Talk questions. Uh, We're going to be at the Release Notes Conference next week. So uh, if you're going to be there, it's going to be in Chicago. Uh, If you're going to be there, come say hi. Um, We're doing a couple of event things, but they're like ticketed events. um, So that's going to be a... that They're already gone. So we're doing a live episode of Connected, and the tickets are already gone for that. Um, But there is going to be one public meetup that we're going to be a part of, which I'm doing as part of the Pen Addict podcast. Um, we're going to be having an open house at Field Notes, the uh, notebook company. We're going to be doing an open house with them. Um, they have like a Facebook event thing. I'm going to put that in the show notes because if people do want to come by, this will be a really cool event to go to. And that, you can come that's Friday, high. right? That's on Friday. It's on Friday, yes, October w- the 13th. Yes, I will not be there. No. So don't look for me. Well, you can look for Jason. 
but you won't find Jason. Yeah, pro tip, don't look for me. Because but, if you yeah. if you were an amateur tip, then you will mm-hmm. look for me and not find me. And pros don't like to. We're all about fail. pro tips today. It's lots of pro tips on this. This show. is the pro tip edition. The pro yeah. tip. Um, so yeah, we're going to be at release notes. Um, if you're going to be there, please come and say hi. Uh, if you're not, we'll, we'll be doing stuff. If we're going to do any kind of other public event, we'll tweet about it or something. But uh, we don't have anything on the cards right now for that. But if you're in Chicago, yeah. I hope that we're going to see you next week. I don't think on the cards is the is the way that phrase works, but that's fine. That's maybe there literally are cards that you've got. You don't it's know. in the cards. You don't it's not know. in the cards. You don't know how it's I like fortune telling. Yeah, you you don't know how I set up my calendar. It could just you be could very have, yeah, card-based. You, you could have an entirely card based planning system. Yeah. Maybe that's maybe that's what they say in England. It's not here on it, the cards. Here it is. There are, yeah, yeah. Oh, right. okay. calendar system right there. Uh, there's been a follow-up for watchOS, uh, watchOS 4.0.1 has been out in the last week or so, and it specifically called out fixing the uh, captive Wi-Fi bug that we've been talking about over the last couple of weeks um, that a bunch of people were seeing where the Apple Watch was trying to connect to uh, open Wi-Fi networks that it didn't have passwords for. Apparently, Apple has done something to fix this, and that's uh, watchOS 4.0.1. I've never seen this problem myself personally, so I can't attest to yeah, whether it's been improved. But... Um, this is a bug fix that we were waiting for. Yep, yep. This is this is the uh, yeah. You you uh you walk by some place that has a an open Wi-Fi, and uh, but it, you have to go on the in the browser to log in, and mm-hmm. it, it gets confused and it's bad. So this is a uh, this is a uh, good that they that they put this out there because it's being aggressive at trying to attach to Wi-Fi, but a little too aggressive. Upgrady and Rob has sent in uh, an app to us called Half. It's called the Half app. You can go halfapp.co for this. It is an application for iOS and Mac OS to convert your images and videos to Heath and HEVC. So we've been talking about, uh, people have been asking us, uh, we've got a bunch of questions, ask upgrade questions about this, like how can I do this? What's the best way to do this? This is an application that claims to do this, right? Like it claims to be able to take your photos and turn them into the smaller um, file sizes, the new compression systems that Apple have. Use of caution, I guess. I haven't tried this. I'm a little bit wary personally of sending my files through this conversion system, but this is an app that says it does it. Yeah, and it doesn't uh, do batch yet, although they say that that's coming. Um, and something, so I, I said last time, and I'll say it again, that I don't like the idea. I think I, I think you should just keep your old photos the way they are rather than converting them because when you convert a, a lossy compressed file to a new lossy format, there is some data loss that happens there. Now, of course, it's already compressed, so... There's a limit to, uh, you know, it's already lost a lot of data. Um, One thing that I like about what the the half FAQ says is um, they're using the highest quality setting when they do this. So they're not, they're trying to not throw away more data um, and you still get a a size savings. So if you don't care about this, that's fine. It's just like my, my, I looked at this and thought, you know what, I just, I'll I'll leave my old JPEGs alone. So you'd you'd really need to be in a space crunch and I, I, if you are, then then so be it. But I feel yeah. like the uh, you you prefer probably rather just keep your originals around, and you know cloud storage is getting cheaper, and on device storage is getting cheaper 
in the long arc of history, it's getting cheaper. Maybe not right at the moment, but uh, in the end, do you do you want to go through the trouble? And then you've got two sets. So then do you delete your old ones, or do they keep kicking around in a backup? And I think it's kind of a mess. But if you really want to do it, yes, this is a this is an app that'll do it, and they're going to bring batch processing in, and they seem to be doing the right thing in trying to minimize the um, data loss that would ha- will happen when you uh, do double lossy compression. Yeah, I am. Um... It's good that this exists, but I'm definitely in the snail camp of just, I'll let it go in the future. I mean, I, I haven't even converted on my iPhone yet. I have, I, I'm keeping it as JPEG because I haven't upgraded my Mac to High Sierra. Like, I'm just waiting until right. I'm in a position where I've got everything running and I have no intention of upgrading to High Sierra right now. Um, so I'm going to keep everything in JPEG for the time being. I mean, I have more than enough space on my devices. Uh, but in the future, I will move to these systems once all of my devices, I'm comfortable to have them all support it. Because I'm, I'm really, oh, sure. I really like, you know, I, I, I just never, can't see myself going back to my archive and trying to convert it. But, yeah, exactly. Yeah, 100%. So it's like, I'm just kind of like, I know it's there. It's going to be great when it's there. I'm not using it at all right now, but one day I will. Uh, you know, that's kind of, I feel a lot that way about a lot of the things that are in High Sierra, like um, APFS. Right, like I, I'm right. using it on my iPhone, on my iPad, and it's fine. But I'm really kind of hesitant to to put it on my Mac right now. I, I'm just a little bit like I'm just gonna give it some time because I don't need High Sierra for anything. And considering some of the stuff that High Sierra is doing, it feels to me personally like a higher risk upgrade than normal. So I'm kind of just gonna wait for a little bit. Yeah, I can see that. So yeah, um, we spent a bunch of time talking about Twitterific for Mac when they were running their Kickstarter campaign. And the Kickstarter campaign was funded, and they've had uh, Project Phoenix in beta, and now it is going to be available to everybody on Tuesday the 10th. So tomorrow, as we record this, Twitterific for Mac will be available in the macOS App Store. But Kickstarter backers, like me and you, we got our copies of uh, the, the full final version of Twitterific for Mac a few days ago. And I wanted to know, Jason, as a person who loves Twitterific, used Twitterific on all the devices, uh, what are you thinking about this application? Are you using it? Like, how do you feel about it? I am using it. Uh, I've been using it more the last couple of weeks. It's It's been in beta for a while, but it's one of those things where it's not... It was under construction. It was definitely a beta, and so I would use mm-hmm. it for a little while, but I hadn't gotten gone full in. And there's still some things that I that it doesn't do that I miss from the Twitter for Mac app because it has access to features that Twitterific doesn't have access to because it has to use the API. Um, and Twitter for Mac can use Twitter secret Twitter stuff. Yep. But um, I like a lot of things about it. It's customizable. You actually can hold down the option key when you open the preferences, and there's you can build your own custom theme. Um, it looks good, uh, syncs with the iOS stuff and looks very much like the iOS app in a lot of ways. There are things about it that are a little weird that are going to either take some getting used to or some refinement on the icon factories part. Um, I, I, I'm not sure how well some of the interface translates from iOS in terms of things that like in iOS, you can get to threads and replies by, uh, swiping. And on the Mac, they don't do that, which is fine. But um, I end up trying to click on things and I end up in this weird position where I'm like, um, how do I get the thread to show up 
using my mouse instead of like my keyboard i can do it with an arrow key but uh how do i get that with my mouse and you know and you can't swipe i just tried i didn't even realize it would be nice if you could just swipe on the trackpad over the items and that would be just like on ios but failing that uh some sort of uh, reliable uh kind of mouse gesture and it's not it's not quite reliable it feels like double clicking is it seems to do a lot of stuff but there's something about double clicking which feels weird to me. Where you double click too. I have a lot of, yeah. sometimes there's a thread mm-hmm, button mm-hmm. that you can click on, but sometimes it's sort of like I have to double click in the margin because if I double click in the tweet, it doesn't do anything. But if I go out on the margin, it does, or it doesn't do it as reliably. And, you know, it's it's a, for all of its, uh, you know, it's version 5.0. It really is in many ways version 1.0 of, uh, of bringing it back. But it's got a lot of stuff I really like. Um, and... It's uh yeah it's uh it's it's a good start and and there are a lot of things I like about it so I'm trying to use it uh trying to use it more and uh and we'll see how it goes but there uh yeah I'm 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 encouraged it also has it's one of these things that it, it's funny um Twitterific on iOS has a mute and muffle feature where you can like uh just like on Tweetbot you can hide stuff that you don't want to see and that that interface doesn't currently exist in the Mac version, but uh, the feature is there. So if all the stuff that I have muted and muffled, just like users of Tweetbot on Mac and iOS will know this as a feature, it's it, you know I have lost that when I switched away. Well, Twitterific for Mac was so old and kind of out of sync that it didn't do it, but now they now it syncs together. So all of my mutes and muffles on um, iOS just uh, work on the Mac, even though there's no UI for it yet. Yeah, like so, I, I was playing yeah. around with it and couldn't find a way to do that. Right? Like I was like, oh, where is that feature? But it's like, it's not here yet. Yeah, the the UI is not on the Mac yeah. side yet. It's only on the iOS side. So I, I'm sure they'll add it. Um, and there's other stuff that, you know, I would like them to add. There's some, there's some, um, inter- a lot of interface niceties that, you know, they, they, they had their list from their Kickstarter of the features that they needed to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so some of the stuff isn't there that I would like. Like I, I have individual lists called out on a sidebar in iOS. I would love to be able to do something like that where I could take one of my lists and put it in the toolbar of my uh, window so that I could just flip to a particular list instead of having to click the list button and then click the... Um, click the, the sports button or whatever. But uh, But yeah, it's getting there. And I guess I should bring up now the thing that I always bring up when I, I um, am talking about a Twitter client that is not Tweetbot, which is to say to everybody out there who uses Tweetbot, <laughs> I have Tweetbot. Uh-huh. I have used Tweetbot yeah. on on all the platforms. You don't need to remind me that Tweetbot exists. I am aware of it. Doesn't work for me. Glad it works for you. But I am aware it exists. You don't need to point out that Tweetbot exists. Yeah. Because I have found that if you discuss any other twi- Twitter client, people who use Tweetbot emerge like from the shadows, from mm-hmm. a bush, and they say, what about Tweetbot? Have you used Tweetbot? Have you heard the good news about Tweetbot? And the answer is, yep, I heard it. I got it. It's fine. It's not for me, and that's fine. As a person who uses Chrome on iOS, like I understand. Right, like I think that mine's a little <laughs> bit more extreme, but you know, like people are just like, why don't you just use... I just don't, all right? Like I just don't. It's not what I want to do. It's just Did- I just don't. Mike, did you know that Safari is a browser have that Apple heard, provides? Have you heard the good news about Safari? So I would say, like, I've That's only right. really like tinkered around with uh, with with Tweetbot on the Mac a little bit, and and I am struck at how much it feels like an iOS app. Like, it, it's it's a very strange feeling. Uh, it, 
It is a nice looking application. I'm pleased that it exists. Do you, do you mean Twitterific? I mean, but I think yeah, it's, I think what I you just said is true for Tweetbot. Is that's one hundred percent on the Mac too? Actually, I meant Twitterific, but it's one hundred percent true for Tweetbot. Although I will, f- for me personally, I feel like the Mac version of Tweetbot feels more like a Mac app than the Mac version of Twitterific does. Oh yeah, I, well, and that's when I was, was saying about interface niceties. I think that's part of it is mm-hmm. that um, in doing a conversion from iOS to Mac. Twitterific is still, you know, there are still a lot of things where, you know, if they were building it for the Mac or if they had more time to uh, work on it, they would have made it more Mac-y. And yeah. there's some stuff where they obviously just chose to be like, well, look, this is, we got to ship this first version, so let's just do it. Whereas Tweetbot has had way more time to be a considered uh, refined Mac app. Although there are still things in Tweetbot on the Mac that I think, this is a little weird, right? Because I, I feel like it's sort of riding on iOS conventions a little bit. Yeah, and like even Tweetbot for the Mac doesn't have all of the same features that iOS does. Like the iOS apps are more advanced, right? Like they have their whole yeah. activity tab stuff, which doesn't exist in the same way on the Mac and things like that. Yeah, it's a bigger market. Yeah, and the and the, the today feature, which is the equivalent in, in Twitterific, is not on the Mac yep. at this point. Maybe someday. I hope that the response is good. I, I'm interested to see what the response so. will be like because you know calling this version five like feels weird because you say it really feels like version one. Um, but it would need to be like what Twitterific two version one exactly. <laughs> Something that's strange. This is the only way to do it, um, and I reckon probably that if you are a Twitterific user, you're just going to be super happy with this because it exists. But yeah. I, I can't see them pulling people in from other Twitter apps right now with with this version. You know, I, I yeah. can't personally. I, I don't imagine like Tweetbot users or the official app users being like, "Great, I'll switch over to Twitterific now." Um, because the Mac app, this is a building, like this is a foundation to build upon. So I yep. hope that it's successful for them. I hope that they can build a business on it. Um, and most of all, I'm pleased because you and John Syracuse have finally get an app that you can use. Yeah, it's true. And and uh, John and I were both people who would like dig into the apps frameworks to uh, <laughs> customize the, uh, the look and feel of the app. Uh-huh. And... Uh, it's nice that although it's basically unsupported, uh, it's got that way that you can go in and build your own theme because I've totally done that. Wow. <laughs> and, uh, and uh, well, you know, I don't like their dark theme. The, the text is like gray yeah. on a, on a, on a, it's like gray on dark gray background. It's like, I hate that. I hate the lack of contrast. So I, I, you know, I could, I could change it and that's fun too. And I can change it in a UI instead of having to change it in a, in a text file like, like before. So that's kind of fun too. But Feels yeah. like a good post for six colors to tell people how to do that because I have no idea. So yeah, I suppose so. All right, today's show is brought to you by Flight Logger, which is a which is an application that's very news for me right now because Flight Logger is a real time flight tracking app for worry free travel. With Flight Logger, you can track your flights in real time as well as keeping updated on departures, arrival times, delays, and cancellations. Flight Logger can even give you details on departure gates and baggage claim, and you can set up fully customizable push notifications to get the data to you that you want, even when you're rushing through security and into the departure lounge. I have already entered all the flight information that I need into Flight Logger. I'm tracking Federico's flight to London. I'm tracking my flights over to Chicago. Um, it's really an awesome application. It's very lightweight. It's very simple. And the push notifications are super fast. I've tried out a bunch of these apps. We've spoken about it on the show in the past. And Flight Logger gets that information as fast as any other app that I've used, even ones that are significantly more expensive. And it also has some great features. You can sync Flight Logger with your calendar. So you can automatically add upcoming flights and 
easily manage your travel schedule or just with the one application. All of this means less waiting, less hassle, and less to worry over. Flight Logger is also available on all your devices. You can add your flights on your iPhone, and it'll be automatically synced to your iPad and your Apple Watch. And good news for Android users, Flight Logger are currently working on an app for that platform too. The team over at Flight Logger know what you need when you're traveling, and that is why Flight Logger is easy to use, it's clutter-free, has an intuitive interface, and only shows you the most relevant flight information that you need. Everything is also available offline, which is so important in these applications, so you can still access all of your travel information while you're in the air. Flight Logger covers around 37,000 airports worldwide, takes up just 50 megabytes of space on your device, and is completely ad-free. It's time to take the guesswork out of travel. Head to flightlogger.co right now to download Flight Logger and update your travel experience today. That is F-L-I-G-H-T-L-O-G-G-E-R dot C-O. Thanks to Flight Logger for their support of this show. Great app. Really, really like it. Yeah. I would like to talk about your Spider Mac. Oh, boy. So last week before we recorded the show... If you listen live, and uh, you can listen live to the show every week, go to relay.fm slash schedule and you can find out when uh, this show and all of our shows uh, will be streaming. So you can you can join in with the chat room if you want. It's a great time. Uh, we The live listeners last week found out that your iMac had a spider in it. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, this is true. This was a, a horrifying realization for me as uh, I am not a fan of the eight-legged creatures, uh, but the, can you explain what happened? Like how how does a spider even get into a computer? I, I can't explain what happened, Mike. The five K iMac, unlike previous iMacs, has was so, sort of uh, one of the things mentioned about its build. Its build was that it, the screen is a single piece. Like used to be, you could pop uh, an iMac's glass off the front. Uh, with suction cups because it was held on by powerful magnets, and then you could access the computer that way. And the the iMac G, the 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 4K iMac is or 5K iMac is a single piece. Like the glass and the screen are all attached. Mm-hmm. And I think the implication there when we when we learned that was that that meant also that it was probably very tight uh, tight fit. It's closer to the glass. There's maybe very little air gap, if any air gap there. Um, well, guess what? <laughs> there, it's big enough. There is enough. <laughs> There's enough room in there and somehow, somewhere, access in there that a small spider could crawl in there. And I heard from some, when I, I posted this on Twitter, I heard from people who said that they also had a spider or a fly or a couple people said ants had crawled into the space, uh, the very small space between the glass and the screen from, you know, obviously had come in a vent and uh, and then crawled around inside my computer and emerged somehow in the screen, at which point it died and sat in the screen. What I find interesting is that the spider died, but it stayed in the same place. It must have been a real tight fit. Well, yeah, I think that's it. It's a, it was a very tight fit. Well, it may have died and then fallen into... A, a position where it stuck. That's possible. Uh, this makes me so I uncomfortable. I didn't check with about. the medical examiner, the spider medical examiner about this. Spider car. But whatever it was, it was sort of like, and you know, it was kind of like, I mean, I'm not going to, I'm not going to shake my iMac like a, like a, like a tambourine or something, but it, it didn't seem to be movable. It was wedged in that spot and as i asked at the time attempting to poke it with the mouse pointer didn't do anything either you know just, just not a check. thing 
just to check. Not a thing. No, I tried. I, I I moved my windows underneath it, and uh, <laughs> no no effect. Can it, I shuffle it down? No. It is an X spider. Yeah. So, I mean, I just assumed that the screen was laminated, right? Like that was just. I mean, I, I assume they obviously never said that, but like my mind was like, oh, this is laminated like the iPhones, right? That's just kind of what my brain had told me these computers were like you know like that there was no gap anymore sure i i yeah yeah that's i I, you're right they never really said it but you you your brain starts to think oh well all of apple screens now are are just the glass and the screen are all connected and that's how it works now and uh and nope (laughs) let me tell you i i yeah I, that was my moment when I saw it. I was like, what is that? And it's like, let me, can I wipe that? And it's like, there's nothing there. What? That's a spider. It's under the glass. Oh, God. But over the screen. How is that possible? The spider oh, is coming yeah. from inside the glass. It's, it's from horrible. inside horrible. the glass. Horrible. Yep. It would have been worse if I knocked on the screen and it knocked back. Like, <laughs> that would have been worse. It would, it would have been significantly worse if you saw it moving around. I feel like that would have been like just... Like a horror show. Anyway. Well, well yeah, but if, at least then I, there would have been the hope that I would come back the next day and it would be gone. It will have left the, its screen yeah, domain. I guess so. And then I could just continue on with my life as normal. Man, they said that, that Macs don't get bugs. Um, you, you... <laughs> Spider's not a bug. Uh, oh, come on, give me that one. Give me that one. Mm. You wrote a post on Six Colors about this because yes. you, know, you have to, right? You've got to show the pictures to the world. But there was a thing in there that really stood out to me that, was, that this Mac was one of the first products that you reviewed on Six Colors. And I had yes. one of these feelings of that feels like so long ago and not long enough. You know, like it was this mm-hmm. weird like timeline freeze for me, right? It was like, oh, wow. Because one, it just feels like Jason Snell, he does six colors. That's just how you, you've sure. cemented Since in that. the beginning of now, time. You know, mm-hmm. but like the, the Macworld stuff has mostly disappeared in my like association of you. So it's just funny. That's three years. Three years. Oh, my word. Well, I guess it's as long as old as the show, right? Like we started at the same time. But so, uh, yeah. it feels like ages ago and not long enough. So what are you going to do? Weeks. What are you going to do about uh, about this thing? What's going to happen? Are you going to live with it? Have you given the spider a name? I, uh, no, I've not given the spider a name. I, so I could live with it. Dan Morin po- pointed out that he had an iMac that he used that had like a blue line on it for mm-hmm. a couple of years and he just used it. And the truth Dan is. Dan Morin is a monster. Though, uh, you know? uh, yeah. Well, so yeah, I could live with it. Um, but it was, it's really distracting. It was, it was, it was driving me. Cause it was basically uh, dead wall. in the center as well. Right. Which is like no, the worst place. No, it was sort of in the, in, it was, it was not in the center, but it was in my, my working area. I mean, that's a big sure. screen, but it was in my working area. And it's one of those things where, yeah, I could have avoided it. I thought about things like, should I just put a sticker on there? Should I, should I, can I find an app that will just float, a uh, or I'll like block off that part of the screen and just like pretend that screen isn't there and just like it's going to emulate a much smaller it. screen. Draw yeah. a little white uh, line around the spider. Yeah. Like I've got two, I've got two different virtual monitors on that screen, but the spider part is blacked out. Like <laughs> I thought about all sorts of things like that. Um, so yeah, I could deal with it. The, the, the thing is, um, so my thought process first, all right, let's walk through the thought process. Cause of course I could live with it. Mm-hmm. I could live with it. It, it would be, it would uh, it would very it would frustrate me and distract me on on a regular basis, but I could I could I could live with it. I, I'm not going to say I could get but used yeah, to but, it. But you're a grown up, right? Like you can deal with it. You're a grown up, right? You, you, yeah, but again, fine. I might deal with it by putting a piece of tape on the screen or yeah. something like 
but um, I could, I could, I could, I could do that. So then I started to think, you know, your initial reaction is, you know, burn everything down. <laughs> um, uh, uh, time to get a new iMac. There's a spider in this one. Like that, those are the initial reactions. And, <laughs> and then I thought, well, this is a great computer. So if I if even if I were to just like say forget it this this is this is give me a new one, um, oh, I would want to put this one to use. And now I'm put in the position where I'm either handing down to one of my children or selling on the internet or on eBay or whatever a computer with a spider in the screen. So then it's like, hey, enjoy this great iMac. Why do you want it? Well, there's a sp- there's a dead spider behind the glass. Oh. Thanks for the spider Mac that you've just given me. So I, I thought, okay, I, I can live with it for a while, but ultimately I'm going to want to get the screen. I'm going to either want to get the screen replaced or I'm going to want to get somebody to attempt to remove the spider from the screen, whatever, however that works. The, the, the screen is like a $400 part, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, getting in there is complicated because there's like it's all attached with tape now, so you have to kind of like uh, like knife around the edges to get in, and then you have to replace the tape and all of that yeah, stuff. Yeah, th- this has become something that you can't really do anymore, right? Yeah, it's not meant to be. I mean, I fix it, does it, and it can be done, but it's not one of those things that is. IMAX screens are not a thing that you generally want to try to mess with yourself. Also, because like even in the old ones that were easier to pop off, the challenge is how do you? Okay, the spider's bothering you, but if you don't do it right, or if you're in the wrong environment when you put it together, you're going to end up with like a dog hair and a fingerprint and Four some spiders. dust. You can end up with more spiders in there than you or had before. more spiders. <laughs> Just dump in a dump in a, a tray of ants oh. and then slap the glass back on and see, and you got an ant farm. Well, you gotta you gotta send in something bigger to get the spider out. That's how that works. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's that is that is that's good. They should make a song about that. Anyway, uh-huh. um, so I decided I would do that, and uh, that I would replace the screen. So what what what's ended up happening is I I'm gonna get the I'm gonna get either the spider removed, evicted from the screen, or replace the screen, and my iMac is gone. I've already taken it to the nice service people who are going to attempt a screen replacement on it, and. What I also decided as a part of this whole conversation about the future of my iMac and whether I should just like set it on fire because there's spiders is I, I have, I think, come around to the idea that I'm going to buy an iMac Pro. Interesting. So I'll, I'll fix this one and then I can mm. sell it or, or pass it down and it, when the iMac Pro comes out. There could be some conspiracy theories brought about here you know was was the spider a plant that you'd buy it you have was a jason to buy still it? seen <laughs> with a box of spiders in his garage shiftily going into his garage for those who haven't been in my garage i do not need to supply spiders i live i i, I work in a garage mm-hmm. in we have spiders in, we have spiders in our house sometimes. We have them in the garage. There are a lot of them outside in the trees. There's spider webs on our on our uh, car mirrors when we go out in the morning. There are spiders around. Mm-hmm. I don't need to supply spiders. This is a, a natural process that brings spiders into my life. So how did you get to this then? Like, why, why, Why do you think that you want or need an iMac Pro? 
Well, the short version would be it's Marco Arment's fault. Yep. Because it's always Marco's fault. Always because Marco's if you fault. mention products around Marco, he will convince you yep. to buy an expensive product. I, I right? once visited Marco and I think within twenty five minutes had bought all new audio equipment. Like new headphones, a new headphone amp and a new microphone. Yeah. He has does this that. horrible ability to, to make you see sense, but sense that is expensive. Well, it, you're, yeah, you're viewing it once you get uh, – it's like the reality distortion field with Steve Jobs. Mm-hmm. It's a little like that. It's this sort of like once you start to view Marco's perspective, which is very much a – and it's not unreasonable, right? That's no. the thing that's dangerous about it. Is it's like, well, yeah, but if you look at it this way, you should buy the good thing because the good thing is good and you will use it. I mean, it, it, it comes across sometimes as him talking you into buying things and spending lots of money, but his perspective is, is usually – a reasonable one, which is to get something good, you have to pay for it. So mm-hmm. don't cheap out. Get the good thing because you're going to use it. This is not a thing that you're not going to use. You should you should get this. And I think that I think that when he's talking to people he knows about this stuff, he is as opposed to maybe some of the stuff that he tries out himself. Like th- there's an extra burden when you're talking to somebody you know, and and yep. and he knows that how you use that uh, audio stuff, and that you that you're going to appreciate it, and therefore it has value, and that spending more money on it, you're going to get the value out of it, and so so it's worth it. So. That's basically what happened with me and the iMac Pro. Is he, he said, and he's completely right, he said, you, me, Jason, uh, use um, Isotope RX6, which is this audio software that does noise removal and echo removal and all sorts of other wild things. I've written about it a couple of times. Um, I, I do a lot of podcasts with people who are not in ideal um, recording environments, and so I get files that are full of background hums from heaters and air conditioners and and computer fans and sometimes in echoey rooms and i process most of it to make it sound better and that using isotope and that is a piece of software that uses all the cores that you Mm -hmm. can throw at it all the processor cores and marco is somebody who really is focused on processor efficiency like he spent all that time working on and he talked about it on ATP, working on multi-threading MP3 encoding because he got frustrated that the MP3 encoders were only using like two cores or one core and he wanted them to be efficiently use all the cores all the time, right? Um, but he's right. The, the tools that I use to do a lot of this are, um, are multi-core savvy. And so I will benefit greatly from having an iMac Pro with that many, many core processor that's very fast because instead of starting a denoise job and then walking away for 10 minutes, even on my i7 uh, iMac, it takes forever to do that yeah. stuff. Yeah. That like it will I, happen I a lot faster. The generation after you, right? Um, mine is completely maxed out. And if I ever use Isotope, and I use it every now and then, I, I don't use it nearly as frequently as you do. Yeah. I'm always surprised by how long it takes because everything else is so quick. It's like, okay, I'm going to process this file. Okay, five minutes remaining. Uh, what? Right, because everything else and, I do with audio on my iMac, it happens in seconds. Yeah. No, this but, is, and it's like, and if you've got uh, like iStat menus on or, mm-hmm. or Activity Monitor open, you can see it just, it, it pins the processors at 100%. The fans spin up and for five minutes or whatever, or longer, it is just churning on this stuff. It does an amazing job. Like that's why it's doing it the way it's doing it. But it is incredibly processor intensive. So, um, 
that that is uh also your iMac actually because it's the 2015 has the faster uh SSD yep. faster storage transfer it's like 2x of mine and that's another place where um, I would get a benefit by getting a new iMac or iMac Pro is once I'm done processing these files, I have to save them and the save takes forever. And now keep in mind also, these are huge files. Like when I do denoising for a an, uh, a session of Total Party Kill, the Dungeons and Dragons podcast that we do. Um, so that's got like seven people on it. So I have seven uncompressed audio files that are probably four hours long each. Wow. Oh, my word. That takes a long time. And those are huge files. And then you have to save them. So anyway, you know, Marco's point, he's right. Like, I could, an iMac Pro, even though it would be by far the most expensive computer in terms of a dollar figure, not necessarily in terms of, like, actual dollars because of inflation and things like that, but the largest single amount of money I'd, I've ever spent for a computer if I bought an iMac Pro. I've never bought a $5,000 computer before. Generally, they're two, they're $2,500 computers at most. Um, but would I, would I use it and would it make my job easier and would everything go faster and would I be more productive? Yeah, actually, I, it, yeah, it's true. I would be. So maybe, we'll see. Um, the good news is like the, like the 4K or the 5K iMac, sorry, the 5K iMac, my hope is that I will get to review the iMac Pro um, because that's what happened with the 5K iMac. Because I wrote, I wrote a review of it. Apple sent me one, and I used it, and yes, I wrote a review of yes. it, and I sent it back to Apple. And before I had even sent it back to Apple, I had ordered one, right? So my hope is that, that it'll be something like that. I'll get to try it out and say, okay, let's see how this thing works. Um, another funny thing that actually works in my favor for the iMac Pro is that it's going to be um, Visa-mountable. Like unlike the current generation of iMacs, where you have to order it as a either one with a stand or one that's Visa mountable, which led to me carrying my iMac like a I don't know like a like a box of pizza <laughs> when I was taking it in to get it fixed because it was off the arm and just this slab has no 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 stand or anything. Um, anyway, the iMac Pro has. Um, Apparently, you, it's like the old IMAX where you can you can pop off the uh, pop off the stand and and mount it, and it's just one configuration for both. Because if I do hand down my existing IMAX, I'm going to have to get basically either either wall mount it somewhere, or I'm going to have to buy a Visa mount a computer stand to stand it because it doesn't have a a stand of its own. It's right. it's made to be mounted. So, yeah, so now I'm leaning toward that. We'll see how it is. If I get to review it, that'll be great because I'll get to try out the uh, the iMac Pro and see for myself how, um, if it's something I want to do. So, yeah. That's awesome. I'm very keen to know how you feel about it. I can't see myself buying an iMac Pro. Like, I don't need it. Like I'm good. I I really do believe like that the iMac that I have right now is going to be my computer for the next few years because I very rarely have to do anything like what you do because most of the shows that I do are with people that are uh in predictable environments, right? So like the amount of times that I have to do any severe audio processing is is very minimal and a lot of the applications that I use that do require processing power, they're not 
fully optimized in a way that maybe Isotope would be, right? To use all of those cores. Yeah, exactly. That's that's going to be my argument when, when we get to the end of the year is, okay, this is what a $5,000, and I think a lot, of, a lot of people who are kind of on the pro side of Mac usage are going to have this moment, which is, what do I get for $5,000 with the base model iMac Pro versus what do I get for the build-to-order high-end iMac, mm-hmm. 5K iMac? And what's the difference there? And what's the real difference there, right? Because the true pinned multiprocessor, uh, you know, multi-core processor test, the iMac Pro will undoubtedly blow away the iMac, right? Yep. Because it's 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 made to do that. But in your everyday life, will you see the benefits? And for, I was talking to Stephen Hackett about this too, because of video stuff, right? Like I also do for some of the stuff I do, I do video stuff. Stephen's doing a lot of video. Encoding 4K video is another place where it's like, wow, um, that's, that, I, when I encode video for, uh, for Total Party Kill, I often will just leave it overnight. And it doesn't take all night to finish. It finishes in an hour or two. But I just, at the end of the day, I'm like, all right, export the file here. And I walk away because it is a long process. And that's just 1080 video. So um, that's another, you know, this is the, this is the question. Yeah. It's like, do yeah. you do stuff that is going to use eight cores? No, like I don't. Or, or are you really just going to benefit from by having a fast i7 and fast storage? And is that yeah. all you really need? Because even video, I have absolutely no intention of doing 4K. Right. And I know that like Stephen has all of these problems and of, of trying to do things in 4K. Like I've, I've had some people ask me questions about this before, like Final Cut can deal with it, but it is really tough. And I guess an iMac Pro is built to handle these types of tasks, providing the applications are, are uh, developed to take advantage of all of it. But it's more power than I need, especially for how little time I, you know, in my life sit in front of my iMac, like most of my working time really is on, on ios so i'm kind of good you know I, I, I but i get why lots of people will look at the imac pro it's why the computer should exist in the first place but i'm also jason waiting i'm waiting before i make any choices to see what the mac pro is that i, I just want to see right like ah. my next computer in maybe two or three years is it going to be an imac pro or is it going to be a mac pro i don't know yet right and so i'm I'm keen to wait it out. It's like another reason, like just to wait out any kind of upgrade to see maybe next year what the Mac Pro looks like because you never know. Like it might be better for me for my things at that point, but I just can't foresee it right now. Yeah, I think, um, you know, pros of the Mac Pro is if a spider gets in your monitor, you can just get a new monitor. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but I I don't know. I'm I'm uh, I'm not sure that's a that's a, a path I need to walk down. Um, but it is, I, I can see how some people are going to be, and that, that's Apple's intention was not to have a Mac pro, right? So the, there's the question of what's that Mac pro going to be. That's why I'm even more intrigued by it because yeah. it shouldn't exist. This should be it. It's a product that shouldn't exist. Mm-hmm. It's true. And the iMac pro was meant to replace it. And of course now it's not going to replace it, which is a question of like, what's the iMac pro versus the Mac pro. That's going to be really interesting to watch. Yeah. So we'll see, but I'm now much more. Also, as somebody who runs my own business and we have the, the the way that the tax and structure of the business work, you know, we try to, this is boring, but forgive me for a second. We try to have the business be um, 
break even basically because all the profit is then rolls into our taxes and we have to pay our taxes anyway. So we rather the business break even and then we just pay the the taxes on the money that we make. What that means, net result is at the end of the year, I'm seriously considering buying things because that helps make the, that's a good time to buy stuff is at the end of the year where we're wrapping up the books for the calendar year. And so buying an iMac or an iMac Pro in December <laughs> It's great. I hope it doesn't. I hope I can buy one in December, and it doesn't. It doesn't uh, get delayed to January because then that will make me sad. But uh, but yeah. So we'll see. We'll we'll see. Um, but I I'm now leaning that way because although the iMac that I have is amazing, other than the spider, and I really like it, and it's so powerful, and it's so great for so many things. the The truth is that. A lot of this stuff that I do does take a lot of extra p- uh, power. And although it does it in a, an amazingly short amount of time, there now exist computers that could shave that time quite a bit. Yep. And, you know, it's not the stuff, it's not me typing words, right? It's not me looking at pictures. It's the churning through um, hundreds of gigabytes of um, of audio and video and stuff like that. So maybe, maybe. But so that this is the path that the spider sent me down. But, uh, you know, in the end, the spider uh, is a separate issue. Like the, the spider just sort of made me also think about, do I want to get a new iMac? Do I want do I want to make sure that this iMac doesn't have a spider in it so that I can pass it down or sell it and get a new iMac? Because um, it got we got to the, that point, right, where it's suddenly it's like I can't just freely at any point give this thing away or sell it because there's now a spider embedded in the, yeah. in the screen. So it, it was the it was a uh, it, it, it just forced me to think of the larger issues that I had been already thinking about in, involving my uh, my iMac and whether I want to upgrade after three years. Spider is a metaphor, you know, the spider makes the spider makes us consider our lives. I think, Mike. <laughs> Today's show is also brought to you by FreshBooks. Hey, freelancers, wouldn't it be great if you could save a bunch of time in your working life so you could make more focus on the smart decisions that you need to make for your business? Well, what if you could save up to 192 hours? That's a lovely number, isn't it? Well, FreshBooks, with their cloud accounting software, can do just that for you. And they do this for their 10 million customers who they make it easier for to deal with their paperwork by simplifying tasks like invoices, expenses tracking, and getting paid. FreshBooks automates late payment email reminders. So when you send out an invoice to someone using FreshBooks' incredibly simple system, which I use every single week to send out our invoices, you can set it up that if somebody doesn't pay you within the time period that you've set, you can the system can automatically send them email reminders. So no longer do you need to be going in and checking, is this paid? Is this paid? Oh, shall I email them? Shall I not? Have they looked at it? They haven't. You don't have to worry about that because their system will do it for you. It will just send out those email reminders on the schedule that you decide so you spend less time chasing payments and more time working your magic. And with their new projects feature, you can share files and messages with your clients. So also with contractors, employees, whoever you have in share with your FreshBooks. So you can see how quickly everything happens and keep all of your conversations in one place, which is a really great advancement 
of the FreshBooks system. FreshBooks have stayed a pretty small company even though they have so many users. They have been called Small Giant by Forbes in their list of best small companies this year. If for some reason you're not yet using FreshBooks, you should try it out right now. They are offering an unrestricted 30-day free trial for listeners of this show. No credit card required at all. All you have to do is go to freshbooks.com slash upgrade and please enter upgrade in the how did you hear about us section. That's freshbooks.com slash upgrade for a 30-day free trial. If you do any type of invoicing or expenses tracking, really, you should check out FreshBooks. I could not recommend it enough. We thank FreshBooks for their support of this show. It is emoji season. It is. Apple have previewed more emoji. Um, so if you remember a few months ago, Apple showed off some of the emoji that they were going to be doing. Uh, it included some of like the elf and stuff like that, that all of the uh, mythical beings that they're putting in, along yeah. with some of the other um, faces that they're adding. Well, they've now previewed even more emoji that are going to... And they've also said when we're going to get them. They're going to come in 11.1 which is also going to be in beta this week. So I think on public and developer beta, they're going to be pushing the emoji out on 11.1. And then 11.1, I reckon, will probably come out around uh, iPhone 10 time, if not before. Uh, some of the new emoji that have been shown are face with monocle, which I will be using with abundance. Uh, some gender-neutral emoji for children, adult, and older adult. Cup with a straw, which is an emoji that I have wanted for a long time. One of the first conversations I had with Emojipedia uh, maestro, Mr. Jeremy Burge, is why is there not a cup with a straw emoji? And the reason this frustrated me is because in Apple's picker, one, you know, like they have like the food picker, it used to have a, a cup with a straw in it. So, well, there's actually no emoji for that. So that's coming. Um, a smiling hedgehog, which is one of the cutest emoji that has ever existed. Um, there is the American Sign Language sign for I love you, which I, I think is amazing. Um, mm -hmm. And I think will get used a lot, which is a great one. Uh, and then stuff like sleds, uh, curling stones, curling, stone. curling yeah, which is just a beautiful right. emoji. It is. It is beautifully done, and uh, just in time for the Winter Olympics. Yep, because <laughs> that's when people will use it. It's there the only four time. years there will be curling. I will. I will wear the. I will wear the curling emoji out in February. I will, I'm telling you now. And also, one I think which will also be used a ton is a shushing face. So. Uh, a face with a lip to the mouth to be like, shh. So that's a good mm -hmm. one. That one's going to be used a lot. There's a lot yes. of great new emoji coming in here. I'm very excited about it. And it's monocle. probably... Smiley with a monocle. That smiley kills me. with a monocle. I think monocles are hilarious. Uh, and now there's a smiley with a monocle. So that, that one's going to get used in all sorts of ironic ways, I think. That'll the be great. The swearing face, the stars in eyes, the vomit face, the mind exploding, the dinosaurs. It's This is a really great update. There's going to be a lot in there. And... As always, we spoke about this a bunch. Adding new emoji drives uh, iOS adoption because your friends start sending you emoji that you can't see. So you will update to iOS 11 as well. Yep. And there have been reports, and I'll put a link in the show notes to a, an article on Mac Rumors, that iOS uh, adoption has been a little bit slower than usual um, with iOS 11. So it's currently installed, uh, as of a couple of weeks ago, on like 25% of devices, but this is slower than it's been uh, in the past. Like iOS 10 was at 34% um, at the same period of time. So it's not, it's not horrifically slower, but it is slower. And I will say personally, I don't know if you've seen this, Jason, but um, this has, I have not noticed this personally, 
But I've been seeing a lot of people talking online and we had a family dinner yesterday and every single member of my family was telling me about the battery life problems that they're having on their phones since iOS 11. Yeah. And this is like after a couple of weeks of updating. So that initial processing of all the photos and whatever it does should be done by now. But, but people were showing me, you know, like it was like one o'clock in the afternoon and there were like low power warnings happening on people's phones. So something going on in 11, I think, for a lot of people. It's unclear, right? I mean, it's hard to pin down, but I've definitely heard people report on it. Um, older models. This seems to have been um, an update that oh, I've heard from a lot of people with iPhone sixes who have uh, who say that it mm-hmm. is uh, is really slow. It's yeah, much, this is predominantly it, uh, six and six S's that are in the family that were, that most of the, most of my members of my family have either an iPhone six or an iPhone six yep. S, um, and they were all having these problems. So I hope that you know something will happen here with uh, with eleven point one maybe to try and address some of this stuff. Apple has been pushing out a bunch of updates. You know we've got a point oh one, a point oh two, and, and, and yeah. uh, I hope that some of that is fixing this. It, it does. It, it's interesting. I mean, the, you mentioned the emoji thing, and we it, it's so easy for people to say, "I can't believe they're talking about emoji." This isn't this isn't particularly important. I will point out that Apple went to the trouble of doing an entire press release. Basically, they have done two now for this emoji <laughs> release. Yeah, well, right. They did one on World Emoji Day, and now they've done yeah. a, a, a one on Friday. They did one about the new emojis in iOS 11.1. They know that this is a thing. It's funny that they come in the in the point one release and not in the point oh release. I don't know what that is. Maybe that's just to spur people to uh, to update who have held out. Uh, they, there may be a strategy to it, which would be interesting if there's a strategy like the early adopters get get the first version, and and then the uh, the, the the laggards start getting uh, they they well, demand the later version because they are their friends aren't sending them. But they know that this yeah. drives interest in the operating systems, and it's this purely social way of of forcing your peers to update because you need to update to see the emoji or or and to use the emoji which people want to do once they once once these new if you use emoji it's like oh my god i can use that emoji now and like it's like the moment when mike realized he could start sending the nerd emoji right that was it was huge mm-hmm. So, like, if you think about it, right, let's, let, this, the, the, the understood wisdom is that it does help push adoption. So if you know this, like if Apple will notice, if you know this piece of information, isn't it better to let the uh, OS out to a small, like a smaller subset of users to make sure that you iron out any bugs before you push the update that forces the rest of the user base to update? Right, like it, yeah. you know, I, I think that there is a logic to that, right? Like, if it is very, very normal for an OS to go out and there to be widespread problems that didn't come out in testing, right? This is just a normal thing that happens. It happens with all types of software. Um, so it maybe would make sense to like, you know, you do the public beta, you find out what you find out, you push it out to everybody else, and then you find out more stuff. Oh, there's battery life problems. Well, let's fix those before we push out the update that makes the rest of our users update because they want the emoji. Right? Like there, I can see uh, why you would maybe stage this if this is the case, right? Because the emoji yeah. are done. They're showing them to us, right? They're done. And right, it's, they're, do- they're you know, clearly done. It's done. And and I don't think like it is an incredibly difficult process of putting these into the os right like i can't (laughs) imagine that it is like that it needs a team of 50 people to put the code points in i wanted to mention and this is something i i find because i find this emoji stuff fascinating because it's like 
as much as people kind of roll their eyes out, I feel like this is really meaningful. Like people are using this as a method of communicating. It solves a lot of problems that when we went to yeah. computer communication and plain text was all we had and you lost a lot of nuance of of uh, speech intonation yep. and body language, right? That emoji is kind of like- It brings all that become, back become a way of bringing some of that back and it's got it's got new meanings and i i think it's going to be with us for a very long time to come and uh so it it constantly fascinates me one of the things that i'm also interested in is how the how software uh, provides access to emoji because one of the one of the challenges is with all these new emoji the emoji keyboard is unwieldy right yep. and i feel like apple still providing you a picker with a million smiley faces in it it's like i know that you can now do the smiley fit you know you type you type pizza and the autocorrect thing will suggest a pizza emoji to you which is that's a start but i feel like there's more that needs to happen here in yep. terms of clever ways to get people the emoji that they want and i know there are like third party emoji keyboards and i you know but i want to see apple in apple's investing a lot in emoji art and and it rolling these things out and pu- publicizing them i'm not entirely convinced that the people who build the keyboard are I, at least I haven't seen any evidence that the people who build Apple's keyboard app have really tried to think about better ways of it doing um, emoji input. And then, and forget on the Mac, like on the Mac, it's a complete disaster um, unless you're using Slack, basically. And uh, I, that needs to be better too, because I, I, you know, these these are part of our lexicon and they need to be easier to use. I would say that the Mac is better because there's a search bar in the picker, right? It, it, it at least has that. Well, that. Right, but you have to bring up the picker. To yeah, do which that. is but yes, which is a terrible. You can't shortcut. search in iOS, right? If you mm-hmm. if you've got a you're just looking for a particular flag, you can't search. You you have to have the the autocorrect bar up, and then you can type the name of the country, and it will do it. It'll show. Also, it to I will you. say, if you're using the messages app, there is a software button uh, for emoji as well, which I always forget is there. It's like a little smiley face just in the message window, but. You know, we use so many different applications, and it, it would be better to have. You know, honestly, I would like there to just be an emoji key on the keyboard, right? Like that would just be great. Like just put a hardware emoji key on the keyboard, and then I can just bring up a picker. I'd be very happy with that. Um, I use Gboard on iOS, and it has when in their emoji thing, it has a search view. Uh, it has a search field. You can type in whatever you want. They put in a bunch of different meanings, right? So like, there are a lot of words attached to each emoji based upon what people actually use them for. Like, there are some interesting ones. Like, if you uh, if you search the word "but," a peach comes up. The peach comes up. Yeah, Google understands, right? It's what people use these emojis for. Not that I ever send these types of. Emojis no, you wouldn't Google. do that. Wouldn't you're do right that. about the you're right about the smiley button in uh, yeah. in the text it's window and me- messages. That's a that's a nice place contextually. The problem is, it you know if access to emoji in certain apps, right, versus everywhere is uh yeah that's a, the, like slack for me slack has become the default way i use emoji in slack way more than anywhere else and it's because slack has built in really easy access to emoji you type a colon and you start to type a word that you think is an emoji and it it and it pops up a little list above it of suggestions and you can pick one and hit return and you're done right it's so easy to do yeah and that is a that the emoji expression is now a native part of of slack and i you know i i want 
an experience kind of like that. And I don't know what that is, whether there's a system-wide keyboard shortcut for emoji search that inserts something. Because that's actually what I do on the Mac is launch bar has an emoji search. And so I, I enter launch bar and type the name of an emoji and press return and it inserts it. And I do it that way. I can't let Mac, uh, I can't let Slack get away from this conversation though without saying how terrible they are at supporting emoji like the uh, emoji is a massive part of their system like it's in all their communication emoji is part of slack's brand they're like a year behind two years behind on the new emoji they, they will now be a year behind on on releases of emoji so they haven't yet implemented the emoji from this time last year from um, last year yeah which is mind-boggling to what me. is their problem mind-boggling because emoji is such a big part of their, of, of their corporate brand they use it everywhere yeah then again, I do use I do use custom emoji a lot in Slack, which is kind of nice. And that's not something that's real; like that's not part of the standard. But there is that's an interesting little uh, lab for how people use. If people could make their own emoji, what which ones would take off and which ones w- wouldn't? And uh, I'm not yet ready to follow in the footsteps of Mark Bramhill of Welcome to Macintosh and propose my own emoji, even though. Um, I use the Skeletor emoji. Well, sorry, hooded skeleton <laughs> all the time. Uh, maybe someday we'll get a we'll get a skeleton emoji. Maybe maybe we could do a a. I mean, there, I think there might be a skeleton emoji, but it's not the Skeletor emoji. So maybe maybe um, skeletons need a uh, like a variant for for uh, yellow skeletons with hoods. I don't know. Before we leave emoji corner, there's two other things I want yes. to bring up. Something that was fascinating, uh, I saw this on the Emojipedia blog. Last week, the WhatsApp beta for Android got new emoji. Now, just a, a piece of context, which makes this very this is very interesting. Uh, Jeremy Burge is a, is a personal friend, and we talk about this a lot when we talk about emoji. WhatsApp use Apple's emoji artwork on Android. The Apple emoji artwork yep. on Android because they they wanted to have all the emoji in WhatsApp look the same. And it is unclear if and how Apple allow this, right? Like, are they cool with this? Are they not? It's unknown. However, in the beta that was just released last week, WhatsApp have recreated Apple's emoji. They are, they are new icons, but they are extremely similar to Apple's. Now, this isn't in the release version yet. It's unknown if it will be. It's also unknown if it's also going to find its way to iOS. But it may look like, I think at this point, whatever was going on, Apple was maybe unhappy with it now. And, th- you know, that this is this is what they have decided to do is to, all right, we're going to make our own and they're going to look exactly like yours. So that's the thing that's out there. It's, very, it's a very interesting thing to see WhatsApp make that change. Yeah, that's... Uh... Again, fascinating. We've talked about it before on this show too. The because we both talked to Jeremy Burge mm-hmm. a lot from Emojipedia about this stuff, and he knows we're interested in this stuff. And uh, the emoji fragmentation issue always comes up, which is that uh, every platform shows its own emoji. There's no the Unicode Consortium doesn't produce a, an emoji image and hand it out for everyone to use. Everybody has to produce no. their own. They produce a description. Yeah. And it's and it's and that can lead to interesting things like the cup with the straw which in some places is a glass with a, a you know a clear glass with a straw 
dropped into it. And in other places, it's a like apples is a it's like a white takeaway container with a lid and a and a red straw inserted in it. It's very different because they've interpreted it different. And and that happens. The um the woman in and man in the steam room are very different in some different ones where it's more of just a face with some steam versus somebody having like a back scratcher or something like that where it's it's more like a spa kind of thing and that's all up to the interpretation but whatsapp's always been interesting because they just basically just used apple's emoji set on android in order Mm -hmm. to keep them in in parallel and and this is the big mystery is was that allowed was that just a, a rogue thing that apple didn't know about or didn't care about did you know did apple give them a warning and say you you guys need to make your own emoji set on at least for android uh, we don't know, but uh, obviously they have made their own emoji set. Now. Yeah, something's changed, but we don't know. Mm. Uh, before we move on, uh, Joe Steele was very rightly pointing this out because we've probably already had people that have sent this link to us. Uh, if you're listening to this show, there is a this this Mac app thing yep. called Rocket, which kind of enables an emoji picker, which is very similar to uh, Slacks Anywhere on yeah, I tried. I tried it, and it. I, I I tried it, and I couldn't use it because it. Yeah, it didn't. Uh, I was very excited about it, and it works in some places. And then, and then I, I started to. I can't remember now. Basically, at some point, I thought this is too far the other way. <laughs> where now emojifying is happening in places where I don't want it to happen. So, but yeah, it's there, and the whole goal of it as a Mac app is to make it way easier to put emoji everywhere that you put text. All right, this week's episode is brought to you by Encapsula. They have the website security tools and content delivery network that makes any website safer, faster, and more reliable. It's super easy to get started with Encapsula. You just need to make a small change to your DNS and you're ready to go. There's no hardware or software to install. Once you've done this, you will have access to Encapsula's 30 data centers with 3 terabits of bandwidth, all on their global network. This network keeps you away from the bad guys and makes sure that your website is super safe. And you will never see denial of service attacks hit your servers because they've got this huge network right there. In the meantime, Encapsula will be caching your content and optimizing connections using their powerful CDN so your users will get everything lightning fast. And you get a live traffic view of your site as well on Encapsula's dashboard so you'll be able to see everything that's happening and create custom rules to meet your exact needs in case you need them. As a listener of this show, you can get one whole month of service for free. You just need to go to Encapsula.com slash upgrade that's incapsula.com slash upgrade this is where you'll find out more about Encapsula's service and claim your free month as well thank you so much to Encapsula for their support of this show and Relay FM Jason it's time for hashtag ask upgrade first question this week comes from Anton Anton wants to know what do I have to do to get photos to sync people and their faces between iOS 11 and High Sierra automatically well, ideally, you have to do nothing. Although, what you do need to do is 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 train. Um, it should work, but it doesn't always work. Mm-hmm. This seems to be the story with photos in iOS 11 and High Sierra right now. Is that it should work, but it doesn't always work. I've seen people get it to work, and I've seen people not get it to work. The idea is that when you say it doesn't sync the face training data, but it will. If you say this photo is of the is of this person, that rides along with it which allows the other device to 
train its photos more easily because it can use the data that you provided. So what you need to do is sit down at a Mac or, I mean, I guess you could use your iPhone or your iPad to do this too, but sit down at a device and identify a bunch of the faces in your photos and start training it a little bit. And then that should sync. One of the problems that I'm I'm having, and it makes me wonder if some of the battery things might be related to photos after all, is it seems like photos is not is not indexing the photos in the um in a reasonable amount of time like it like it should like i've 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 had that happen where i've looked at my photo library and it says it's still scanning photos and it's been a while now and it's still scanning photos so i i wonder if there's some things going on there that are going to have to be addressed in an update but ideally the way it's supposed to work is you train your you you train faces you say this is a this is this person and and there's a, a drag and drop interface you can actually select a bunch of the same person and drag them on to the person you've already identified as that person and merge them all together and that sort of sweeps it up they threw away the old uh, face scanning interface and put in this brand new interface for iOS 11 so it's a different it's a whole different thing, but um, it's very good at at finding faces because um, I keep seeing people in my people library that are like pictures of people in screenshots I took. And they're like, oh, there's a person. It's like, no, that's just a guy in a screenshot. Or there's somebody who is on the TV in the background of this picture I took. <laughs> Do you know this person? No, I don't know when that person. When machine learning gets too powerful. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it is like finding all the faces. And... Uh, so yeah, you're not supposed to do anything. It's supposed to just work. And if you're having trouble with it, um, I don't know what to tell you right now other than maybe try to give it a give it a kick by assigning some faces. And uh, But don't expect a one-to-one correlation because that's not how it's set up. It's not going to... It, only the faces that you train are the faces that it, um, that it knows are that person. It, it has to reprocess everything and get ideally get using the same code to the same point on the devices it's dumb this is one of those things where i i think apple needs to spend more time dealing with uh photos syncing and metadata across devices and they they've come some distance in the last year and a half but they need to go way way uh further down this path i feel like we might be saying this forever Steve wants to know, is there an impact to picture quality if I select a new key photo from a live photo in iOS 11? Yeah, um, I need to test this some more. I think so. I would like to think that iOS 11 is is, is shooting several photos that are stills and wrapping them up in the heath uh, the file because remember the heap file can contain multiple images from like a burst it can contain uh, a video or does it link to the HEVC video I need to take this apart um, my assumption is yes that if you pick uh, a different key photo because you, you don't have to pick the one that was actually selected you can slide it around in the live photo and pick a different one my guess is yes but I don't know that 100% I need to investigate this more I'm planning on updating my book and some of this stuff has just gone by the wayside because I haven't had a chance with all the other stuff that's come out so that one's on my list I'm unclear what's happening because ideally what's happening in ios 11 is when you capture a live photo it should be capturing video and it should be capturing more than one high quality still and then ideally you could you could pick from the high quality stills pit choose a new key photo and it would still be a good photo 
um, instead of choosing a lower resolution video frame, at which point you've just got a low res video frame instead of your pretty picture. Even if it's a better pose, uh, it doesn't help if it's way lower quality. Yeah. So that's what it does for pre iOS 11 photos, right? Like you end up with a lower quality image. Yeah. But I, I would like my, my hope is that Apple is taking advantage of their new file formats and maybe more powerful hardware in later, in the more recent models of iPhone to pack more stuff in a live photo. But I don't know. I, I will, um, I'll investigate and ask Apple and I'll let, I'll let everybody know sometime down the road about this. Logan wants to know, what pre-order strategy should I use on the 27th for the best chance of getting an iPhone 10? Multiple devices, use the Apple Store app and the website, just everything. Multiple devices, as yep. many devices as you can get, all the things. try and use them all at once. That's what I'll be doing. Uh, I'm going to be yep. sitting at my desk with my iMac and my two iPads and my phone. And <laughs> across this swath of devices, I will be attempting to put my pre-order in uh, for an iPhone 10. Yeah, if you had to, um, if you had to choose one, it would be an, an iOS device running the Apple Store app. Mm-hmm. Um, we 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 have discovered that lots of people do this because some enormous percentage of orders come through the Apple Store app for this stuff, and people know it works. But it works too because for whatever reason, with Apple systems, the app instead of the whatever web app they've got running the, on the website the the you know the app iOS app has access to the same backend stuff but is better connected apparently in some way or more robust in in uh connecting to it so uh but yeah if you really want to do it you know be sure you're wide awake and have your uh have your uh all your devices doing accessing places where you can buy these things and just be quick Joe wants to know, on the Apple Watch, is improved Siri speed with the Series 3 tied to the LTE, or will the GPS-only version be faster also? Um, I believe it's, it's tied the, to the new processor. That's what makes yeah, it it's faster. The pro- uh, yeah, it's the new processor in the Series 3. It's not the yeah. LTE. This no. is not... Because most of the time, the Siri stuff isn't going over LTE. Anyway, it's yeah. just... It's, it's, it's processing on the device and being able to uh, listen and being able to speak, which it can do. So it shouldn't be related to the cellular at all. Yeah, all of the new, all of the new uh, Siri features, including the the speaker and like it, it talking back to you, that that is Series Three, not necessarily LTE. It's just the Series Three. Kyle wants to know for your various projects, is there always a specific time for uploading uh, on a day or posting on a t- certain time? Do you, do you, do we worry about that? Um, only for my calendar, right? Like we, I just do things on the day that I do them, and I post them on the day that I do them. Um, I I don't spend a lot of time fretting over perfect upload day and time for my projects. Um, it's kind of just like when it's done, it goes up. Yeah, I mean, people will sometimes set their schedules around our release date, and yeah. it definitely happens when a, an episode gets released later. People notice, which is great, right? Because yeah, we love that. Although we feel bad in the moment, it also means that we have an audience that actually expects us to deliver, and I think that's great because that's what we should do, and yep. we generally do. They, we've, we've trained them by being consistent, and now they've come to expect it from us, and we need to deliver, but... Um, but there's wiggle room in there. It's very rare that somebody says, oh, well, you didn't release upgrade at 11 a.m. Pacific what, or, or 12 or 1 or whatever. What's wrong if we do it at 4? Maybe some people will, but it's not as big a no. number. No. Um, I do for a lot of my stuff. It's um, I know the 
I know the release schedule, even if nobody else does. I do. I push a lot of stuff out at eight or nine in the morning, my time, because I want it to be released that day and it's ready to go in advance. And I just set it to then because then I'm awake and I can see that it's going up or I'll put, I'll either push it live or on the incomparable. I can schedule it to go live and I watch and see that it happens. So some of it is, is like that. So I, I will use a time like nine o'clock. Um, just Pacific, just to get it out there. But other times, it's when it's done, it goes out, or it's just I need to get it out this day. With the incomparable, the only even though it usually releases on Saturday mornings, my time. Um, the only uh, rule I have there is it comes out on the weekend. Like I mostly do it Saturdays, and every now and then I release on a Sunday. And people say, "Is there no episode this weekend?" Which again is nice that they noticed. Mm-hmm. But I hold myself to to releasing it on the weekend, which is something that goes back to when I had a, a regular job. And that was the time I had to work on the side project was on the weekend, but I still sort of do it that way most of the time. Yep. Um, so yeah, it's, it's um, on the web. My understanding, you know, from back in the day when I worked at IDG, there is a certain time that is peak web traffic in the U S and it tends to be, it's 11 AM Pacific uh, to Eastern. That's the high point, the peak and if you want to hit a story at the peak, that's when you put it out there. But there are lots of philosophies about making things available later for even, for evening commuters or making them available early in the morning for morning commuters, people on trains and buses and things to read. Um, podcasts is different because it's when is the download happening for people to listen? Are they getting it on their ride home? Are they getting it in their ride in? Lots of theories. Everybody's different. I think there's no particular best practices. So in most cases, it's like, Mike, we've got a general rule. And then you post it when it's ready. Yeah, it's like they go out on the day that they tend to go out on, but I don't. Yeah. I don't really fret about time. And and for me, if I've got them in advance, then I post them in the basically first thing in the morning when I'm up and working, just so that uh, you know, it, I waited till the day it's released. But at that point, I just want to get on with my day, so I post all of them at nine a.m. Yep. and I, I move on. Yeah. And finally today, Brian asked, the new App Store Today view has made me go from basically never checking the App Store to looking at it daily. Are you doing the same? I am. I'm finding myself going to that Today View every day. I, I have look at the articles. There tends to be something I'm interested in. I think that the, the time has shown for me that this new App Store redesign is really successful, and I'm finding a lot of new apps and games because of it. Yeah, I'm using it more. I wouldn't say daily, but I am using it more as something other than a place where I check the updates. <laughs> yeah. And and uh, that that's good. I, I have definitely read articles there and used it to read about things and find things that I'm interested in. I also really appreciate, and they used to do this, it's just a little more visible now, that when I think to myself, oh, you know, I want to try out some of the apps that use drag and drop or that use AR kit, that they've got nice collections of those sitting there for yeah. me to try. The collections, may, as you say, maybe have always existed, but they're way more visible now than they have been in the past. And and they've, they've done more to make those pages look nicer. I really like the overall look of the App Store pages. We spoke about that a couple of weeks ago. Um, I think that this App Store redesign, at least for users, has, has turned out to be great. One thing that I have noticed, though, I, I don't check the new and noteworthy anymore, really. Where I used to do that, but I don't really look at the games category and the apps category. I tend to just look at what's on the uh, Today view that they have. Um, just a personal anecdote, but I, I really do like that. I think that the articles are well done, and I like the variation to the stuff that they pick. Um, and most of the time, the things that I look at, I was like, whether I would want them or not, I can see that they look to be really good quality applications. So, I think it's been it's been really great, and I hope that Apple can keep it up. Yep. All right, 
That is it for this week's episode. If you want to find our show notes, go to relay.fm slash upgrade slash 162. Thanks again to our sponsors, the great folk over at FreshBooks, Flight Logger, and Encapsula. If you want to find Jason's work, go to sixcolors.com and theincomparable.com. And uh, like me, Jason hosts many shows at Relay FM. Go to relay.fm slash shows, and you can find a list of all of the shows that we do there. If you only listen to Upgrade or maybe one or two of our podcasts, there's a ton more, I'm sure, that you would be able to pick at least one more to add to your list. We produce lots of great content at Relay FM, and uh, I'd like it if you check some of it out if you haven't already. Uh, Jason is at jsnell on Twitter, J-S-N-E-L-L. I am at imike, I-M-Y-K-E. We'll be back next week where we'll be able to high-five at this point in the show. Until then, say goodbye, Jason Snell. Until next week, Mike Hurley. Keep those spiders away from me. Please don't bring any. I don't want any in in my computers. Please keep the spiders away. Yeah, the spiders stay here. This is their home. 